When you look at the scriptures, it's very clear that there is a heaven and there is a, a hell. And um, when you look at the descriptions of hell, they're a little bit more graphic and more abundant than heaven, right? But if you were to like just ask the man on the street, you know, and I think just about everybody believes in some form of heaven, right? I mean, you have your token atheists who don't really believe in anything. And, but if you were to just ask like the man on the street, what is heaven like? What would they tell you? There's some popular perceptions of heaven. There's clouds and golden streets and angels and harps. Uh-huh. Like the far side cartoons, right? You're on a cloud with a harp, with a robe. There's some other perceptions of what heaven might be like. I think it might be viewed as like a, a collection of really cool experiences. Just like for the rest of eternity, you get to do whatever you want. Uh -huh. Kind of like everybody looks alike, acts alike, like you've lost your personality mm -hmm. and we're all cloned. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Only angels are in heaven, so they'll become angels. They'll become angels, yeah. Very popular belief. I remember doing a, a tragic funeral, and um, there was a Photoshop picture of this girl, and she was given angel wings. So, it's the thing. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of believes in heaven, but not a lot of people really think about what it's like. And so you couple that with, um, you have some heavenly tourism books. Do you know what I'm talking about? Heaven is for real. You don't need to admit if you've read it, but I know some of you have. I remember going to a pastor lunch in Emporia, and a pastor is no longer a pastor here talked about how Heaven is for Real is the most powerful book he ever read. And if you know the, the plot, there's this five-year-old boy, Colton Burpo, who basically lost consciousness and was clinically dead for 45 minutes. And he goes to heaven and he meets his like unborn brother. He meets grandparents. And he comes back and he tells his parents things that he could not possibly know because he was in heaven and talks about the angelic choir sings Joshua fought, you know fought the battle of Jericho and just you know splash fights with Jesus I mean just all this stuff and uh, and people ate it up right I mean I mean what is the appeal of those kinds of books <laughs> and they make you feel nice without making you actually question anything yeah you like to smile at the little boy with the interesting experience mm -hmm. without actually wondering what any of it means. Yeah. Yeah, I think there, there's kind of this idea where we want to know about heaven and we kind of want to fill in the details. And what's interesting is I think heaven, um, for a lot of people, it's, um, it's all about your experience in heaven that makes it wonderful. Does that make sense? 
And so even what Kate was talking about, how we all become cloned, right? Where you have this idea that heaven is a place where we worship God in a white robe forever, right? And for somebody who really prizes like individualism, that doesn't sound very fun, right? Like, is there going to be bowling in heaven? You know, is there going to be a phase in heaven? Like, you know, what are we going to do? But heaven, you know, at, at its core is a place where God has unrestrained rule and control, and that's what makes it heaven. Uh, Pam, we're going to say something? Okay, I saw you raise your hand. Okay, you did not make any motion. Okay. I thought somebody raised their hand back there. There's something. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and... Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about just what we know about heaven. And I think there is kind of a place for some, uh, some speculation of what it could be like. Uh, Randy Alcorn has a great book entitled Heaven, which is probably the fullest treatment I've, I've ever seen. And he basically answers all the questions that you might have with some uh, sanctified imagination and as much scripture as possible. So I think heaven is a great thing to, to entertain, to think about what it will be like, not necessarily what it won't be like, but um, yeah, we'll try to answer some of the basic questions. So let's look at uh, this first point, like where will heaven be, right? Do you guys know where heaven's ultimately going to be? When we say heaven, our, our instinct is to point where? Up, right? But what are you saying, Malachi? I know that there's a commonly held view that heaven will be somehow combined with earth, but I thought heaven and the new earth would be two different things. Okay. That is a good lead-in. Yeah, so we're going to go talk about that. Like, is basically um, heaven in its fullest sense will be right here. All right, quote the 80s songs, you know, who, who made heaven a place on earth? Well, the Lord will, right? You know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> so the first uh, passage is uh, that we'll look at is Romans 8. 19 through 23. Malachi, you want to read this for me? Sure. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. <coughs> not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Okay. So notice verses uh, 19 and 20, right? For the anxious longings of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Right? So th there's a sense where the present creation right now is almost in anguish, that it is not what it was supposed to be, right? So when God created the, the world, right, he created it, and what was his declaration? It was good. Right, so, and I think this is um, kind of an interesting thing to think about. Um, like in the Old Testament, you don't see too much about an afterlife or heaven. But what you do find are several references to, to Eden. 
right? Where Eden is a place where all was as it should be, right? Plant life, animal life, and humans all lived in, in harmony. Man and woman had uh, harmony with each other, harmony with God. It was all good. And it was restful, right? So when you look at the Sabbath rest, the Sabbath rest points back to Eden and acknowledges the longing that one day we want to have a new Eden. So when you look at the afterlife, I think Eden um, really informs an understanding of what that will be like, right? A restoration, because right here we're talking about how the earth is fallen, the earth is cursed, and it's cursed out of Eden. Does that make sense? So as we kind of move through uh, the, the New Testament, we see some other passages. And um, then I'll have you read 2 Peter 3, 7. Sure. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Okay, so what's the fate of the earth according to this? Fire. Yeah. And I want you to read that next passage, 2 Peter 3, 10. 2 Peter 3, 10. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned. Okay. So some people speculate that this passage teaches that this whole planet is going to be done away with, right? There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. It will be replaced. Now, others, and I put myself in this category, believe that the new heavens and new earth or the old earth renewed. Okay? So, what do you think? What would be some of the implications if you're to say that this earth is going to be replaced with a new one? What do you think? It was given up on. Mm -hmm. That God gave up? Other thoughts? That's good. This first creation wasn't perfect. Yeah, there's something lacking in it. <clears throat> if this one's just going to be burned up, it doesn't matter what we do to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, have enough grace to completely redeem it. Redeem it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the second Peter passage, he's just talked about how the earth was already destroyed, flooded with water. Mm -hmm. So... It's kind of in that same sense of destroyed. The earth wasn't actually destroyed, but many things on the surface were destroyed. Yeah. And life was destroyed. So mm -hmm. it seems like the repetition of that word would give us a sense that it's going to be the same kind of destruction. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... And, like, will you be given a new body? Right? Does that mean that your old body is completely destroyed and you're given a brand new one? Right? It's resurrected, right? So I think, to a certain extent, there's going to be a resurrection, you know, of the earth. Okay, so kind of hold on to those Eden things as well, right? It's kind of a a return to to Eden, right? A new and improved Eden. Um, and then we have uh, Revelation twenty eleven through twelve. Julie, you want to get that one? Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it. From his presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things written in the books according to their deeds. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so there will be a purging, right? A transformation, right? With sinners will go this whole sin curse, sin stained uh, reality. Remember how we talked about the millennium last week? There's kind of like this in between stage. Uh, there still is a presence of sin and sinners in the millennium. You know, people will still be forced to obey. All that will be done away with. Um, it will be a complete return to Eden without any unbroken um, possibilities, unbroken fellowship. Then Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Now, for you sea lovers, that seems kind of sad and tragic. But you have to keep in mind, like for a land-loving people like Israel, I mean, the sea was a source of hell. Like you couldn't drink the water. Uh, and you look at, let's say, Revelation, all the monsters come out of where? The sea, right? That's where Godzilla gets it, right? I mean, they are <laughs> Pacific Rim. They all come from the ocean, right? That was kind of the, the mythology at the time. And so... Um, there's no sea in the sense that, you know, there's no lurking monsters or evil that can emanate from that. And wasn't it also like in the, the pre-flood world where a lot of the water was seemed to be in the heavens? Mm-hmm. And so is it going to return or go from the land back? Yeah, that's, that's a good insight. Yeah, there's still going to be water, and all the water is going to be fresh and life-giving. Um, you kind of see that with the new construction. But yeah, I mean, yeah, so the return to Eden... The new and improved Eden is is a, is a different template, right? Don't, don't you even have like different, like instead of like all white and gold, you see a little bit of green when you think about going back to Eden, right? It, it's more, um, yeah, it's redeemed. Just like we have resurrected people, there's going to be a resurrected heaven and earth and a return to that. And, there, and there's going to be some market improvements too, as we're going to see, because let's say in Eden, right, you didn't have any cities in Eden. Right, they just kind of live, but that's going to be something new that's going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. And we'll talk more about that later. But I think, um, so you kind of have this idea of this giant construction project where there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, Jesus says in John 14, uh, 2 through 3, where he's, um, I'll just read it to you guys. <clears throat> He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. So you kind of have this idea of, um, of Jesus going away to prepare a place. Uh, I used this illustration in a sermon years ago on heaven, but it's still pretty pertinent. Um, so in Florida... Disney spent a half billion dollars on a 12-acre parcel of land to create the world of Avatar. So, what's the, you know, yeah, Planet Pandora. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movies, but, I mean, they're, they're visual spectacles. And so they talked to James Cameron, the director. Have you, any of you guys actually been to the world of Avatar? I, I hear it's like you wait in line for five hours for five minutes, but it's the best five minutes of your life, right? <laughs> it's, uh, and I talked to some people that actually went, and they said it's, it's amazing. I mean, they have, you know, they recreate all the creatures. They have, um, 
you know, the, like these holograms, the, the mountains actually look like they're floating. I mean, in 12 acres, right? And spent a half million dollars, take years to build, to create this world that is almost like a, like a heaven on earth. In fact, it was interesting when Avatar came out, um, psychologists noticed an Avatar effect where people would watch this movie be transported to Pandora and then they walk out of the movie theater. And if you ever walk out of our movie theater, you, you see a payday loan and you know a Dollar General. And like, this is not Pandora. <laughs> but I think that kind of speaks of like this inner longing, right, for for some return to that. And that's almost like heaven on earth, right? And and you think, yeah, that's from the mind of James Cameron, right? Can you imagine a world that's more than 13 acres? that costs more than a half billion dollars to build, that's constructed by the mind of Jesus, right? So there, there is, um, I think there is something for, you know, you look at that visual spectacle and just the imagination that might come through cinema and think <coughs> heaven is gonna be three-dimensional and it's gonna look way better than what we see on the screen. So little imagination for you guys. But, um, but you also see that there's going to be elements missing from our experience. Um, famously in, in Revelation 21, 4. Drew, you want to read that for me? 21, 4, yeah. uh, Oh, you know what? We're in the wrong section. Read 21, 2. Okay, there will be full unhindered, unhindered fellowship with God. So 21, 2. Yeah, read that one. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, made a, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay. Someone want to read 21, 22? Sam, you want to get that one? I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Okay, Revelation 22, 4. Abe, you want to get that one? They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Okay. So a couple things that are interesting. Um, a new Jerusalem, right? What was Jerusalem kind of noted for? The temple. The temple, right? And why is the temple so significant? The presence of God. The presence of God, right? So there's going to be a new Jerusalem, a new place where there's going to be the presence of God. Right, and but there's no temple in this Jerusalem, right? So, God is outside the walls of the temple in this Jerusalem. Now, why would that be kind of a a scary thought for a Jew? <laughs> Somebody want to find Exodus thirty-three twenty? Exodus 3320. Do you got it? Okay. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Okay. And then we read in Revelation 22:4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. <clears throat> right, so on one hand it says he can't see my face and live. Why is that? Because they're sinners. 
They're sinners, right? So to look upon the face of God and to see him in a sinful state is instant death. But here, uh, you can be in the presence of God without worrying about whether or not you're going to be incinerated. Right? That is... Um, you know, so the New Jerusalem is you are actually in the presence of God. You can look upon God and rejoice, not fear, uh, not feel a sense of guilt or, or shame, um, but full enjoyment, not, not even worrying about whether or not you might lose it in the future. Okay? So does that have an implication that we will be saved from the presence of sin? Yeah, completely. Completely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there, there, there's no sense that, of, what that means. Yeah, yeah it, it's an amazing thought, right? Yeah. Um, no, no feelings of guilt or or shame. You're not fearful for your life. You're not fearful of losing it. I mean, it is. It is like the return to Eden, but better, in that. Adam and Eve were able to destroy Eden with their sin, but that's not going to be the case here. Okay, any thoughts on that? I just think it's interesting. So heaven as, as the antithesis to, to hell being this concept where uh, in hell, yeah, like the fire's going to suck mm-hmm. and it's going to hurt, um, but the real pain will be separation from God. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, and we haven't read this verse, and I don't know exactly where it is, so if I'm misquoting the Bible, please let me know. But okay. as far as I'm aware, there's some level, some aspect of Revelation that says almost as if we will if we'll continue to live doing like the everyday things that we might otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a true concept. I'm, may, maybe not yeah. directly pulled from the Bible. It's a concept yeah. I've read about. Yeah. Now, that might be better. Um, mm-hmm. but, but the real, again, but the real the real joy will be uh-huh. that we get to be in his presence. Yeah. And foundationally, the, the only major difference is that whether you're away or in yeah. his presence, that's what the real cause of the yeah. pain and suffering or joy will be. Yeah. So you, here's a question for you. Like, who's the most famous person you guys ever met? Anybody want to? I have Jimmy Carter as my most famous person I ever met. Met him on an airplane. Going to Hungary, tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around and I said, Jimmy Carter, because he was standing right there. He shook my hand and he, he was doing like some humanitarian work. And so he went around the airplane and introduced himself to everyone. But you know, it was pretty awesome. Right? How about, who else? Like, most famous person you guys met? Soccer player in Mexico. Okay. Was it pretty awesome meeting him? Underwhelming. Okay. I don't know. I was I was I was like eleven, so it was a pretty terrifying experience. Uh-huh. You know, I don't remember much. Yeah. Like, who's the most famous person you ever met? I don't know. I mean, they're all like '90s stars, so I'm not yeah. sure anybody would even know. The cast them. is Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Mario Lopez. Yeah, he looked out of for me. <clears throat> Jennifer Love Hewitt. See, that's a big deal to these people. Melanie is like, no kidding. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I understand. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lived in uh, Chicago, the Chicago area in junior high during the height of Michael Jordan's, you know, fame. And I remember talking to a girl who was like all aglow on Monday because she went shopping and ran into Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan opened the door for her. 
<laughs> and she was like, I can't believe he opened the door to, you know. So that was like, you know what I'm saying? So when, you, when you're in the presence of somebody like that significant, like it makes your day, right? And so the idea that you can be in the presence of God and Jesus and they know your name, mm-hmm. right? And they have this high regard for you. I mean, that is part of what makes heaven spectacular. <clears throat> Right? Then I think you know, you're in heaven for, you know, let's say, a thousand years, and you realize, you know, Paul's here, right? Or, or you kind of list the heroes you know, of the faith. Um, and we're big biography readers in our household, and you know, Becky's working on her second biography of Elizabeth Elliot, and it'd be great to spend time with her. And you, you wouldn't have to worry about being disappointed with your hero, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might meet somebody and they're a jerk to you, and it's like, oh, well. That's not going to happen in heaven, right? They'll be the new improved version of themselves. So part of it is, you know, the the person who's built around, but also the people who are there. Like, have you ever gone to a party, and maybe there's that one person who kind of ruins the party because they talk about themselves the entire night? You know what I'm saying? Like you do, or somebody who's just always turning things more sour, or they're interjecting controversial topics. You know what I'm saying? And it can just kind of ruin the party. Um, but in heaven, it's going to be a party where none of that ever happens, right? It, it'll be just a wonderful time with redeemed people where we're with our best versions of each other and ourselves. So, you know, it's kind of the, the people, right, often makes heaven, will make heaven heaven. So something to think about. Um, there's going to be elements missing from our experience. <coughs> Um, Jeannie, you want to get uh, Revelation 21 4 from me? And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Yeah. Revelation 22 3 says, so it's going to be nothing accursed. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's going to be a world uh, without, without mourning, uh, without sadness, uh, without anguish, without pain. <clears throat> which is pretty awesome to think about, right? The party's going to go on forever. There'll be no more, no more disappointment. So that also means that our memories will be wiped away? I don't think so. That if our memories are still there, then we're going to remember ones that are not with us. Yeah, I think we will be perfectly comforted. Because we will so understand their unrighteousness. Yeah, we're gonna. If they're not with us, um, there's a sense where we're gonna agree with God, and and I, we won't see them as a victim so much as Christ as a victim of their sin. And we will no longer feel the human distinction of unfair punishment. Yeah, we won't. We won't say it's not fair. Right. Because we'll see who God is, how good and glorious He is, and how they turn. On them. But, it, but if there is any sadness at all, I think there will be perfect comfort, right? And that comfort will overwhelm any pain that we feel, and it will be an internal comfort that we have. Yeah. Yeah, then you get into there will be a new Jerusalem. So after the creation of the heavens and the earth, the Apostle John says that, the beautiful holy city of the New Jerusalem. This is where it's a little bit distinct from, from Eden. Uh, will descend from heaven to earth. The city is of incredible size and beauty. 
that measures 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high. It is not only declared to be beautiful like a bride adorned for her husband, but it is said to have the gates of pearl, buildings of pure gold, the foundation of precious stones and gems. Uh, in it will dwell the Lord and his people. The city will serve as the eternal abode of several groups. It will be inhabited by the entire triune God, the entire angelic host, the church saints, and the spirits of just men who are the Old Testament saints. So um, to give you a sense of scale, this is like the mass of the New Jerusalem is going to be 65% of the moon. Okay, so think bigger than the Death Star. Right, that's for you Hoffman boys, right? <laughs> um, it's like from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Coast. You know, those, those are the dimensions of it. And so I think in Eden, you kind of have like this natural paradise. The New Jerusalem is a city paradise. So it's urban and rural all kind of blended uh, together. And it would be kind of the nexus uh, the place where the Lord rules uh, the universe. So that's kind of what we know. Um, there's some other imageries that we see. Uh, where are you getting that size? Are you saying including like the, the height? Stacking? Oh, the stacking, yeah. It's 1,500 miles cubed. But you see it as not the dwelling place of the whole human or, or what do we say? Race. Um, well, we could dwell there. I, I'm open to the possibility of being dispatched to. I mean, <laughs> it's the new heavens and the new earth. I think uh, my speculation is that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, the universe is huge, right? And God created this universe. Um, Randy Alcorn suggests that space exploration might be a possibility, <laughs> which might be awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you try keys there. I'm looking at the Huffman boys every time I bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think they're, I think it's going to be the nexus of operations. I mean, but the Lord's going to rule the entire universe. Yeah. What my human mind can't grasp is. He's going to create a place for us to live, uh -huh. and but he will not have a temple. Mm -hmm. What form is he? I mean, we we don't see him as a form. He, he just is there. He, well, minimally, we know Jesus will be incarnate. Yeah, we'll still see the human form. You do see in Revelation, though, um, I think chapter 5, where he's sitting on an emerald throne and the Lamb of God approaches him, where there might be a physical manifestation of Yahweh there. Yeah. Um, not in the same way that Jesus is God and man, but it's just some physical, like you'll be able to see him. So I, I have no idea. I mean, I would imagine it would be... Um, more human form because man is made in the image of God and Jesus took on that form but I guess we'll find out I guess we'll find out yeah other things like when you look at the, the parallels of Eden you have the river of life like in um, 
Revelation 22, right? Eden's known for their, the convergence of, I think, three rivers. The angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. So there is a, a fruit of the month club in heaven. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and the servants will worship him. And so notice the presence of the tree of life again, right? Which yields different fruit. Um, I often get, I think the most popular question I get from men is will there be food in heaven? <laughs> right? Isn't that what you want to know? Steak specifically. Steak specifically. <laughs> Will we lose bacon? Will we lose bacon? I'm out of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, will we lose bacon? Okay, so this is how I've worked it out. Because, you know, when I think deeply about heaven, I think about these things. So if you ever go to Crackle Barrel, and let's say you ask him, you know, how's the French toast here? What are they going to tell you? It's so good you will slap your mama. <laughs> now, I don't advocate violence against women, especially mothers, right? But this is the idea, right? That you might have had great French toast growing up. Your mom might have made you special French toast. But when you have this French toast, it'll be so good you'll feel betrayed by all previous attempts. Does that make sense? So I think as good as steak is, there's going to be flavors in heaven and textures in heaven that'll make all food feel like you've been cheated your whole life. Does that make sense? And I think God can make steak flavored fruit. <laughs> I think I can, right? I mean, tofu, like I'm reading about this technology about growing meat in a lab. Right? Perhaps it's not me, but what if but what if he grew like meat on trees? Like you had steak trees. Like you didn't have to kill anything. You but bite it's just into a pear, it tastes like shrimp. <laughs> Maybe it looks like shrimp so you don't get like confused. Because there's nothing worse than biting to a pear and tasting shrimp. Right? Like peel its shell off first. Yeah. I mean so So all 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 I could say is it's gonna be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So what would you say to somebody? Um, I, I mean, have you ever, guys ever heard or perhaps had this thought that heaven might be boring? I've been told a version of what they thought like you'd be singing for eternity. And that's the version I think would be kind of yeah. boring. <laughs> We're going to sing Amazing Grace will have a thousand verses. <laughs> and we're going to sing them all. So is there a point where we're such an entertained people that we have to be entertained for everything? Mm -hmm. We are so very self-absorbed. Yeah. Whether or not we like steak or we like you know, French toast. There's uh -huh. a point where maybe our focus is going to be on God and that's going to be enough. Yeah. I mean, that's, is that not what we're there for? Is Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how could that be boring? Mm -hmm. How could singing be boring? Mm -hmm. 
But I mean, I'm not saying that there might not be more, but is, is that ever enough? And I think what makes things not boring? Depends on who you are. Yeah, what do you think, Eric? I think it's when, uh, maybe just me talking, but when you have something, you have kind of a purpose to look forward to, what you know, you're doing connects to other people and has mm -hmm. more significance. Mm -hmm. So it seems like if it were just luxury and entertainment, it's almost like you're just, you know, you're not then controlling right? responsibility for purposes of doing something for other people, or mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, that's a concept yeah. that still maintains. Yeah. Yeah. And if heaven is just a collection of experiences um, that are quote unquote fun, then and it's for the rest of eternity. Uh, even if you get all of that fun stuff you wanted, it's gonna run out eventually. Like you can only play go karts so many times, mm -hmm. you know, before it doesn't feel the same. You that can only play a video game returns. so many times before mm -hmm. it doesn't feel the same. Um, and so, if at the end of the day, all heaven is to you is a collection of fun stuff to do, um, then even that stuff's gonna run out, and that's yeah. gonna be boring again for you, and then what are you gonna say? Like, yeah. you know, I'd rather be tortured for eternity? Like, mm -hmm. come on. But I think, like, in a world without sin, and when we are people without sin, every desire that God has given to us is a desire that's supposed to lead us towards something we're created for, mm -hmm. right? So like, if we have a desire for novelty, mm -hmm. then that's because God intends for us to keep doing new things, mm -hmm. right? Like, which is why Randy Alcorn says, why is the universe so big? It must yeah. be so that we would want to go there. Yeah. It must be that God wants us to go see the great things he's made in other places. Mm -hmm. So like, is our desire to create and our, our sense of ambition, is that a factor of the fall or is that a factor of the image of God in us? Mm -hmm. And if it's the image of God, then we're going to keep doing new things for all eternity in heaven. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, kind of even the sense of boredom that drives us to new things, if that is mm -hmm. good and of God, then it's going to drive us to do good things. Mm -hmm. And those are good, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if we have hungers that are good, then it's going to drive us to find better and better and better food, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I think just, it's kind of like the C.S. Lewis notion that if God has given us a desire, it's to lead us mm -hmm. to become more like God and to do God-like things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in heaven, that's what we'll continue doing. Mm -hmm. So if there's a boredom, it will be used by God to drive us to something better. Yeah. Yeah, I think God, we're going to still be ourselves. And so the talents he's given us, I don't think are just for a purpose here. I think we're always going to have talents. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I think in heaven they'll still be used. Mm -hmm. But that's just me thinking. Yeah. Brianna, you, you were going to say something. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, that how cool the earth is now and nature and the animals, to be able to see that in a redeemed and perfect state, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's already pretty cool. Like, it would yeah. be magnified yeah. that much more. Yeah. Also, boredom is just, when you were to progress that on down the line, would be going to discontentment. So can a discontentment exist in a place where you're safe from the very presence of sin? And mm -hmm. You wouldn't mm -hmm. be experiencing that. Yeah. Jason? Yeah. <clears throat> and I was just thinking that, you know, all these experiences and everything, 
we kind of we think about like what we're doing and the execution of that thing would be in perfection, but I think the end result of everything that we do ends up in worship. Yeah. So I may not be singing, maybe I'm building something, mm -hmm. but the end result is, Lord God, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Look at the materials you did. Look at the, uh, for me it's like square and level, gotta have it, right? <laughs> but it all ends up in worship and praise and adoration to him. Yeah. Well, I think one of the coolest lines is one that we don't quote a lot, but this is 21:24. The nations will walk by its light, like the glory of God. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Mm -hmm. Right? In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. So that's this idea that, like, all around the world, outside of the gates of this city... <laughs> People are going to still be doing stuff so cool that their kings are going to bring it and be like, look what we did now. Yeah. Look what we have now. Look what's been invented. Look what's been made. Look what's been created. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that is like, it's just this little section that just shows that there's going to be like infinite creativity. We're going to keep doing cool stuff. Yeah. Like, I, like one thing, when, when you think about heaven being boring, it's like you have a boring family because they're at peace. But if you have a family with drama, right, you're never going to have a boring holiday. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So sometimes we, like, you want to live in a movie, and, and the movie kind of has like, you know, there's tension, dramatic tension. Will evil win, stuff like that. But now evil will never win. Right? So sometimes people wonder, well, how can that be exciting? Mm -hmm. I, think, um, I think there's going to be active memories and tales told of maybe heroic things that happened here that maybe nobody ever knew about. And so, um, like the idea of literature, right? There'll be great works, great books written where you can still feel the dramatic tension but from the perspective of you know that they're going to have happy endings. I guess they'll all be comedies, not tragedies in heaven. Um, but yeah, so, you know, songs and stuff like that will all... I think rehearse, right, the greatness of the Lord. Because you, you see that, like the Exodus, right? Passover always commemorated what God did. Mm -hmm. They always told that story. And I don't think heaven's going to be a place where um, the death and the suffering of Egypt will be forgotten. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there'll still be reminders of that, but then what God did in the end, I think there might be other tales that are going to be told. And there'll be literature, and so that, that need for dramatic tension can be satisfied in other ways without there being genuine tension. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I mean, God's God, and we will never fully understand God, mm -hmm. but that means that for the rest of eternity, we're going to be finding new things out about him and understanding mm -hmm. him in new ways and I think we'll be yeah. delighted and overjoyed every single time we do that mm -hmm. and so I think that very much even if we didn't have space exploration and all this other stuff mm -hmm. simply just seeking or pursuing the understanding of who God is mm -hmm. for the rest of eternity in his presence would probably be enough mm -hmm because it's just going to be an eternity of finding new things out about an mm -hmm. infinite God. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts? <clears throat> All right. Well, kind of wrap it up. 
proper perspective of the future uh, helps us to understand our present and perspective. Knowing that Christ can come back at any moment should prompt us to personal holiness. The reality of hell should move us to share our faith and warn others of the wrath to come. Our certain future in heaven should lead us to persevere in faith, forsaking the empty promises of the present world for the precious weight of glory in the next. Uh, may we be mindful of the future so that we can obey the commandment of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Well, Father, it is uh, amazing to think about what's in store for those who love you. And I thank you for the hope we have of heaven. And Father, as, uh, as horrible as hell may be, heaven will be all the more beautiful and wonderful. I pray that you'll help us to think about things above, to anticipate that great day when we'll see you face to face. And we'll be able to do so because you have changed and transformed us. We pray for the rest of this worship service. That'll be a little taste of heaven as we enjoy the fellowship and the and the majestic worship and the opportunity to hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. amen.